can and he will and he wants to deliver us 100%. This morning, um, I want to call on Tabby. If you can please come up, Tabby. Uh, Tabby has a testimony that she's middle school. I'm sorry. Middle school, you are released. And I lead the middle school, so I should have remembered that. I apologize. But Tabby, if you can come on and come on up. She has a, a testimony that she's going to be sharing with us this morning. Hello, I'm Tabby. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, I like it. <laughs> so um, my testimony, um, when I was two years old, I was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia. Um, I don't remember most of my journey. I do remember glimpses. Um, I, I get most of the story from my, from my mom. But it is a testimony of what God's done in my life and the reason I'm standing here with you guys today. Um, I remember she had told me that I was bruising in places that I shouldn't, um, never fell, limping, things that was not normal for a, well, I think it was about almost two years old, um, 1997. And she, she took me to the hospital and she said that the doctors told her it's two, two possible things, mononucleosis or leukemia. The time my mom was like, can I have a choice? But ended up being uh, ALL, so leukemia. Um, I did have treatment for about three years until I was five years old. And I was, I've been in remission since I was five years old. No treatment, no anything, never relapsed. So yeah, I know the only thing I, I do remember were like the some chemotherapy, some lumbar punctures. And um, I would tell my doctor, I'm like, there's a room here. If you show it to me, I know it. Because I remember exactly how they laid me, the, the needle they tried to put on my back. Um, and she's like, he's like, yeah, that's the screaming room. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm glad you have a name for it. Um, <laughs> but I do remember things like that. But just I know that God has been protecting me from the beginning. Um, you know, the enemy tried to take my life as a young girl when I didn't have a chance to fight for myself. But I know that God was fighting for me. And it's the reason I've been in remission for 18 years and that I can be with you guys today. Thank you for t sharing that. God can. And she mentioned even when she was at that age, she couldn't fight for herself, but God was there since the beginning. Um, Eddie, if you can come on up. Eddie is uh, Pastor David's dad, but it has nothing to do with him being Pastor David's dad. Uh, the enemy has tried to attack him in his health the past couple of years, but he's here to testify this morning. Good morning. First of all, let me say that I am a cancer survivor. Twice. And everything goes to God. Um, Ten years ago, uh, I checked myself with uh, my doctors as far as physicals and stuff. My primary guy checked me out, and he ordered some blood tests, and the test came back uh, kind of altered. For some reason, he didn't pick up on it. So a doctor, my heart guy, that has nothing to do with what I was doing, he calls me. His secretary calls me. And he says, "Ed, you got to come to, uh, you got to come do the test. You got to come. Doctor wants to see you." I said, "I don't have an appointment until next month." She said, yeah, but he says he wants to see you before you go on vacation because I told him I was going to go on vacation. Finally, he calls again, and this time he left me a message in my machine. Hey, Eddie, you need to get over here. What's the story? So I said, okay, I'll go. So when I went over there, he checks my blood test, and he says, you have a problem here. 
you need to take care of it. And I said, yeah, well, I'm going to go on vacation. And he said, no, no, you're going to take care of it now. He picked up the phone. He, he called his doctor friend of his. And he says, I got a guy here that I need you to go check out right away. And uh, he said, okay, when you send them over. So he sends me over. They do a biopsy. Uh, four days later, just before Christmas, I get the nice call. Come see me. So when I go, he says, you tested positive for uh, prostate cancer. And uh, we're going to put you on some kind of a treatment and go how it goes. And then when they said prostate cancer, that word kind of gets to you. Um, I remember six years before, my best friend had colon cancer. And he went through a lot. Um, His mother and father had both died. And I went with him to all his treatments, his radiation, his chemotherapy, everything. Eventually, two years later, he died. So when they told me I had cancer, I mean, unless you have been there, you don't know what you feel. But at the same time, I felt kind of relieved because I figured, well, two years ago, I went through all this with my friend. And then I thought about it and I said, you know, Maybe God was just pointing the way for me so when if I did have a problem, what this was going to be. So I picked up the phone and I called the doctors that treated my, my friend. They said, Eddie, come see me right away. When can you come? I said, well, I don't know, maybe tomorrow. And he said, well, yeah, come tomorrow. The clinic is closed, but I'll be here. Come see me. So I went to see him, and he said, let me uh, send you over to uh, refer you to another doctor. He did. And the um, doctor says, you got to have surgery. Okay. Um, I said, you sure? He said, yeah, you got to have surgery and you can't wait. He said, I'm booked, but uh, if something comes up, I'll let you know. Boom. Three days later, he calls me. He says, I have an opening. You need to get it done. So I said, okay. So we set up for the surgery and we get ready to go. And the surgery was supposed to be like around 11 or so. And for some reason, the doctor was delayed. One of my sons wasn't there yet. Eddie hadn't gotten there yet. He finally gets there. And as soon as he gets there, the doctor shows up. So before we go in to do the surgery, David says, let's pray. This is before we go into the surgery. Right then and there. They're getting ready to wheel me in. So here comes my Jewish doctor, who's about this guy, this size. And we had... Two nurses from South America. I had all four of my sons, my wife. Everybody holds hands. Everybody starts to pray. This is two minutes before I go into the surgery. So I sit there and I said, everything's going to be good. I know God said, I mean, all this stuff is not happening for, 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 for nothing. I mean, this is. And so then Dr. Kawa looks at me and he says, you ready? And I said, yeah. He says, let's go do this. Let's go take care of this guy. And he went in, boom, everything worked like a charm. And uh, I was cancer-free for about a year and a half or so, and then it comes back again. So so now you say, hey, what's the story? And so they said, you got to take radiation. So here we go. 37 days every day, radiation, five minutes, 10 minutes in the morning, five o'clock in the morning. So when when I'm doing this treatment, this radiation treatment, and I don't know if anybody knows what it 
it's about. They put you under this machine that is called a cyber knife. And what it does is it shoots radiation or protons into the area affected. It kills the bad guys, but it also kills the good guys. So when I sat there, it was just me and God because nobody is in there but you. When you come in, everybody stays out. Your family, everybody. It's just you. And I sat there and go through the machine for all the seven minutes, the longest seven minutes of my life. And I kept thinking. And it comes back to me and it says, hey, everything that has happened is because I said so. He said to me that he was in control. I immersed myself with the scriptures. Before I went to the treatment, David gave me a whole bunch of scriptures and I would read them and go through them at night and continue to read them. And I remember because those are the scriptures that you were giving me when you were sick. Remember you had them taped on, the, on your bathroom? I got up in the morning one day and I said, you know what? I believe I need to go get baptized. Boom. I went over and I got baptized. I got baptized by my son. How good could that be? <laughs> First of all, I came to the Lord by my son. And now I got baptized by him. So I know God is in control. So I have been free, cancer free, for the last seven years. <laughs> Completely. I go to the doctor every year. And he checks me every year and does all the tests. And he says, you know what? I'm about to release you because you beat this thing. You're good. And everything has to do with God. Give, put everything in God's hands. It doesn't matter what you think it is. You know, the most trivial thing, some little thing that you consider is not. Either the smallest or the biggest. He's there. He will be there. Even when you don't understand and you say, why is this happening to me? Of everything that has been going on, why is this happening to me? All I know is, like the sun says, falling rain. Healing is falling. You should not be afraid. It doesn't matter what kind of ball they throw at you. You're ready to hit it. Amen. So this morning we want to talk about, if you haven't noticed, healing. And a lot of times in today's society, because of all the skepticism, because of all the different things, and because of lack of faith, many people ask or pose the question, does God still heal? And the answer is overwhelmingly yes, he still heals. He still heals. He can heal. He's willing to heal. And we need to put our life in his hands. And you ask me, well, Pastor, why do you say it with such conviction that he can and is willing to? Well, Hebrews chapter 13, verse number eight, if you write that down, jot it down. But Hebrews 13, eight says this, he is the same. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he is the same, it means he does not change. So let's go through a little bit of scripture this morning. First things first, let's go to Exodus chapter 15. Exodus chapter 15. 
In Exodus chapter 15, let me paint the picture of where we're at. The children of Israel are in Egypt. They get delivered from the hand of Pharaoh. Now they're out in the wilderness and they get to this place where there is no water. The water is bitter. They call it Mara because it was bitter. And the people of Israel are complaining because of the fact that the water is bitter. And God heals the water. And then in verse 26, he says, and he said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord, your God, and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on which you have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. It's the first time it says, Jehovah Rapha, I am the God that heals you. As a matter of fact, that word heals, Rapha, is what is used, it's, it's, it's what the word for physician is within the Jewish culture or within the Jewish uh, community. Rapha is what they call a doctor. And God says, I am your doctor. I am the God that heals you. It is one of his attributes. It is one of his names. And it does not change because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. First example that we see of this, of Jehovah Rapha, that we find in scripture is in Genesis chapter 20. In Genesis chapter 20, Abimelech, not Abimelech, Abimelech and his wives can't have children. And they go to Abraham and they ask Abraham for prayers. When Abraham goes by, he's in the place with him. And it says in verse 17, so Abraham prayed to God and God healed, it says in the original, and Jehovah Rapha Abimelech. God healed him, his wife, and his servants, and then they bore children. So you know what, church? You need to pray for your healing. Pray for your healing. Now, what happens? Many times we get caught up on something. Well, why didn't so-and-so get healed? Why is this person not healed? Why did this person get healed and this other one not? Like, I can't answer that question for you. I can only give you the guidelines of what the Bible says of how to believe for your healing. So if we go back to that chapter there in Exodus 15, 26, look at what all the things is. Jehovah, he ends it by saying, I am your healer, right? But what is it that he says in that verse? He says, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord. Man, many times we don't heed his voice. I can't tell you because I've lost count of how many times in my years of ministry, which have been a bunch, Have people told me, God told me I need to do this. And I meet with them three months later and they're in the same hole or worse. And I ask them because I remember and I say, hey, you told me God told you to do this. Have you done it? I've lost count how many times people tell me, oh no, I haven't. Buddy, you told me, I didn't tell you. You told me God told you to do X, Y, or Z and you're not doing it. Maybe that's part of the problem. So what is one of the first things you need to have in your life to walk in this? You need to diligently seek or heed the voice of the Lord. The second thing that says is do what is right in his sight. In his sight, not the world's sight, not the sight of the people around you. Do what is right in his sight. Then it says give ear to his commandments. What does it mean to give here? It means to actually do. And then it actually takes it a step further because it says it and keeps his statutes. Listen to him 
Hear him. Keep his statutes. He says, none of these plagues, none of these things that came upon the Egyptians will come upon you because I am your healer. So I wanted to start off today with a couple of people sharing of what God did in their life. Tabby when, started when she was two and went through treatment. And, and here, I, I want you to, we were, we were pretty specific in, in picking people that have been through this, number one. Number two, because of their faith in God. And number three, because they actually went to the doctor. Because there's a lot of people that are like, oh, no, no, I'm just believing in my healing and believing for my healing. But they don't go to the doctor because of fear, because of what the doctor might say. Well, guess who gave that doctor the wisdom to figure out the treatment? It wasn't an explosion out in the middle of the universe, all right? It was God. So I believe that God can heal instantly. But I also believe that God can heal progressively. And I also believe that God can use doctors to get you through a treatment to have a long life. The thing is this. Who are you putting the faith in? Are you putting the faith in the doctor or in the God who can show the doctor what to do? You know, my dad mentioned the thing that we prayed when the doctor got there. When my brother had an emergency surgery, I don't know, 25 years ago, whatever it was, I remember the doctor came in and uh, I I was still very young, but one of our, our prayer warriors of our family, of our thing, she looked at the doctor, a very short little lady, and the doctor was this giant of a man. And she looked at him and said, I need to pray for you before you had to do the surgery. And the guy said, yes, ma'am. Put out his hands and she prayed over him. Because we need to pray for our healing. And listen, it's not just one time. It's continued. You continue to pray for your healing. You continue to believe for your healing. And you continue to wait for your healing. Because God is faithful. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Now, here's another lie of the enemy. That when you have an illness, it's what God had ordained for you. Haven't you ever heard anybody say that? It's just my lot in life. It's my cross to bear. This must be what God wants me. Anybody ever heard that? Let me, let me tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be very transparent. I, am, I get super irritated when people tell me, God put me through this test to have a testimony. What's the other one that ticks me off all the time? Uh, uh, Yeah, I went through a mess to have a message. That ain't biblical. The Bible says that God will turn things that were evil for good. But stop out with the cop out of, I did this so that I could have a testimony. No, 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 no. You fell, you're in a sinner, I'm a sinner, and God turned it around. So God doesn't send you sickness, and I can prove it to you, right? I'm going to ask you just to have on actual human reasoning for a second. Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53, verses 5 and 6 says that certainly, surely, he has borne our grief. Sorry, I said 5 and 6, and I meant 4 and 5. My mistake. My bad. I did say the wrong number. But I read the right one. My bad. Surely, but good job, Ben. You, you switched it right away when I said the number. Good job. <laughs> Round of applause for the sound team, right? 
you know, nobody notices the sound team until something gets awry and the noise goes on. Everybody looks that way, but you know, they're there. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes, we are healed. Now, I don't like the English translation of this verse. For those of you that aren't bilingual, go learn another language, especially Spanish. It's the language of heaven. I'm just kidding. I don't... We're... we're, we're, we're. I'm just kidding. But if you read this verse in Spanish, it gives you a more accurate depiction of what Jesus went through. Because in Spanish, it says, por su llaga fuimos sanado. What is a llaga? A sore, right? Have you ever had a sore in your mouth? An open wound? You know the pictures that they show of Jesus, right? Like this skinny little guy on a cross or whatever. That's not what Jesus looked like. First things first. Jesus' entire body was one giant open sore. Pastor, that sounds gruesome. What do you think that 39 whips of a whip that has three prongs with glass and things tied to it that would touch the body and yank out to pull out all the skin? What do you think the body would look like when it's been hit with that 39 times? plus the rest of the beating. His entire body was a wound. For what? You're healing. So, you mean to tell me, again, rational thinking for one second. You mean to tell me that the creator of the universe sent his only son to pay the price of your sin and unrighteousness and your peace and your healing just to give you an illness? I mean, doesn't that sound like an oxymoron? Because it is. The enemy is the one that sends things. Many times we cause things. I say it all the time. Come on, tell me. What's my favorite chicken? Popeyes. Popeyes. You know what happened if I eat Popeyes every day? Make me a couple of heart surgeries, right? Why? Because if I eat Popeyes every single day, my arteries are going to clog. And before you know it, I'm going to Popeyes, right? Yeah, I like that. I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. She was like, Popeyes. Yeah, that was good. That was good. I've told you before, I can write a book about what I see from up here, okay? Y'all think you're slick and I don't notice and stuff like that. Y'all think I don't hear when the phone vibrates and you pick it back up and text somebody back. No, y'all think I don't, but I do. You can ask my wife. I've got like this bionic hearing. We'll be in the car and her watch is ticking and I'm like, it's driving me bonkers. Like it, it just, I just, whatever. Anyways. So you mean to tell me that God would put his son through that for you and then want you to be sick? No. 
He wants you to be healed. But here's the next thing. You cannot, because it will stunt your growth as a believer and it will quench your ability to believe, think and spend time trying to rationalize why that person didn't get healed. That'll stop you from being able to believe, which is what the enemy wants, right? The enemy comes at you and against your mind, especially when you're by yourself. Be like, oh, but so-and-so said they were believing. Now, here's the next part. You don't know what that person was truly believing or standing on or not. I remember somebody who was very close to my mom who dealt with cancer. But you know what governed her life when the diagnosis came? Fear. And every time that a doctor said, we can do this, Oh, I don't know. Let me pray about it. I was having a conversation with somebody the other day. When a Christian tells you, let me pray about it, it's really answering his no. Pastor, what do you mean? Come on, be honest. When you don't want to do something and somebody asks you, you tell them, let me pray about it. Because it gives you time to figure out a way to say no. So nine times out of ten, that's kind of what it is. But anyways. You can't try to figure out why that other person didn't get healed because it will drive you away from God. You need to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who were faced with being thrown in the fiery furnace and they looked at Nebuchadnezzar and they said, when Nebuchadnezzar said, and who's the God that will be able to deliver you? They said, we will not bow down. And even if our God does not, he says, our God will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, I still won't bow down. And that's the attitude we need to have when there is a situation. We need to do what God tells us to do, but we need to continue to believe. Because by his stripes, by his open sore, we were healed. And he's the same, come on, yesterday, today, and forever. He heals. He delivers. And he can use your doctor to prescribe you the right medication. But you know what you need to stand upon? The word of God. You need to stand upon the word. I thought my dad was going to mention it, but he didn't. I remember sitting in his office The first time he was diagnosed and I gave him all these verses and the time later we're sitting there and he pulled out this little wrinkled paper out of his pocket. It was about this big. And he had just written down all those verses that I had given him on healing. He carried it everywhere he went. And whenever he had a moment, he would pull it out and he would read it. By his stripes, I am healed. I shall live and not die to declare the works of the Lord. He sent his word and healed me. And he references, you gave me all these verses because you went through, and I did. If, if I was trying to look for a picture, but I couldn't find it. If you see a picture of me before and after my internship, when I finished college, I look like two different people. I started my internship and I got sick. I, I, I could not hold anything down. Not one type of meal, breakfast, lunch, dinner, nothing. Anything I ate, I threw up. For a course of three months, I lost almost 30 pounds. If you look at my graduation pictures, these shirts were like, I mean, I had this much space on my shirt. It looked like I'd gone to the Goodwill and just found whatever they got, right? Did every test, because I went to the doctor, said, I believe in going to the doctor. 
Because God gave them the wisdom and the knowledge to be able to learn and practice medicine to help you. I'm not saying don't go to the doctor. Go and get your checkups, do your stuff, because there's a reason why God made them. But then no doctor could figure out what was wrong. I did cookie swallows. I did, you got to eat this horrible tasting thing, and they put you in a machine and watch it go. I mean, I did every kind of test possible. Nothing came back with an illness. They couldn't understand it. They couldn't figure it out. And I printed out three pages of Bible verses that talked about healing, and I went to Office Depot, and I had them laminated. And he says I had them up in the bathroom. It's exactly what I did. I had them up on the tile of my shower. If you didn't know that, stuff that's like laminated just with the steam of the shower, it'll stick to your tile. You don't have to put booting up or anything. It just stays there. It's awesome, okay? Science, man. It's cool. And every morning as I showered, I sat there declaring scriptures. I was showering and declaring scriptures. By his stripes I am healed. I will live and not die. And declaring it. Looked at myself and saying, you will live and not die. To God's glory, I didn't miss a day of my internship. Graduated. God healed me. And now I can't stop gaining weight. (laughs) Standing upon what the scripture says. For your healing. And then, I want you to understand something else. Do you know that healing is part of what follows disciples of Jesus? Right? Let's read the Great Commission. What's the Great Commission? Come on, y'all know what the Great Commission is, right? Go into all the world. Preach the gospel to everybody making disciples. Mark chapter 16. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. Who believes in this place? And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. God's hand has not been shortened. The gifts of the Spirit are in operation today. Healing is in operation today. The miraculous is in operation today. It did not die with the first century church. Because Jesus is the same, come on now, yesterday, today, and forever. So if he's the same and Jesus said, these signs will follow you, Who are we not to believe what Jesus said? There's people that take verses out of context. There's actually a, I don't even want to call it a denomination because I think it's more of a sect. This group of people that because of this verse, you can look this up on YouTube later and Google. They have like aquariums under all of the benches at the church filled with snakes, venomous snakes. And the preacher will take snakes out during the preaching to hold them because of this verse. Well, guess what? The guy got bit by one of the snakes and they didn't get the thing in time to him and he died. 
Look it up. You can read it. This is, this is, not, this is not fake news. This is real news. So people can make anything and then try to make a sect out of it. But again, I, I'm going across scripture, right? We started in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. I'm not Leviticus. I'm doing not Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, number, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy. You know, our kids are learning the books of the Bible, right? Anyways, we talked about it in Genesis, in Exodus, in Isaiah, now in Mark. And look what James says. Chapter 5. James 5. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick And the Lord will raise him up, and if he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. But the enemy operates in this five-letter word called shame. So because you're sick, you think, he devil makes you think that other people are going to think you're just not a strong Christian, so I can't tell anybody to pray for me. You want to tell me one of the things that that annoys the bejeez out of me? From you guys. I got to forgive you guys all the time. You guys will come up to me. I haven't seen you in three weeks. And I'm like, hey, what's up, man? I haven't seen you. What's going on? Oh, man, I was really sick. I was actually in the hospital. And the thing was like, why didn't you tell me to pray for you? Oh, I didn't want to bother you. Mm. People, this is not my job. This is a calling from God. It is not a bother to pray for you. It is not a bother It is scriptural to reach out to the elders of the church to lay hands on you and pray for your healing. It is biblical. It is scriptural. I'm tired of people not believing in the power of God because he is not only able, he's willing Now, earlier I talked about that God can heal you instantly. God can use medication and doctors. And God can heal you progressively. I'll give you two examples of that in the Bible. Remember when the lepers came to Jesus? And Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. They were not healed instantly. As they walked to the priest, which was their act of faith, they were healed. When the guy realized it, one of the ten, he turned around and went back to Jesus to give thanks. You remember the story? And Jesus is like, hey, weren't there ten of you? Where are the other nine? I guess that guy could have been, if he was, you know, gifted with the gift of prophecy, he would have been, Jesus, they're like the rest of the church for all humanity. They only come to you when they need something, then they disappear. That one hurts, man, but it's true. So, One came back, progressive healing, as they walked in faith. Do you know the opposite of faith? Doubt. Doubt is the opposite of faith. So again, if you try to rationalize and figure out, well, why didn't that person get healed? You don't know their innermost thoughts. You don't know if there was doubt involved. You don't know if there was other circumstances involved as to why they were not able to receive that which was being prayed for. 
Which is why it's not your faith that heals the person. It is their faith. And God will meet them at that level of faith. Second example of a progressive healing. There is a blind guy, couldn't see anything, went to Jesus for healing. Jesus went and prayed for him, think put some mud on him and cleaned it off. And Jesus said, all right, how you doing? And you know what the guy said? He said, hey, I can now see some like palm trees. Like I see hands moving like trees. Jesus said, well, then you're not done yet. Come back. And he put more on him and said, how about now? And he said, I can see clearly. Progressive. I firmly believe that that was there intentionally so that we could understand that this ain't a microwave thing. This is a continue to pray, continue to wait, and continue to believe until you see it come to pass. Continue to wait, continue to pray, continue to believe.